to the Include a Charity podcast. Um, this is the second in our series and we're really excited to have today with us Joanne Meredith from World Animal Protection. Um, thank you for being here, Jo. Thank you so much, Helen. Um, so the purpose of our Include a Charity podcast is obviously just to chat to people about their amazing Gifts and Wills journeys and the programs that they're doing in this space and to share and to kind of get some knowledge about that out there about the different things that are happening. So first of all, I'm going to ask you to just to tell us a little about you and your Gifts and Wills fundraising journey. So thank you, Helen. So my Gift and Wills fundraising journey started very early, actually. When I first started my career some 13 and a half years ago with Assistance Dogs Australia, I wasn't directly involved, but I was indirectly involved in helping Pauline Kivar, who's one of my absolute gurus in this space, mm-hmm. uh, doing some of the will stays. And that's how I sort of first got the, got the idea of what this was all about and how it actually worked. And then when I journeyed on further in my career, I worked with Red Cross doing wills. Uh, we would do wills days. Uh, I learned a lot about Red Cross because my part of my role was then to go out and educate people on gifts in wills through rotaries, lions clubs, uh, pension groups, all that sort of thing. And then also, um, and I kind of veered off the path a little bit and I realised that it was my specialty, it was the area that I felt most comfortable talking about, which is really funny because people don't feel that comfortable talking about it, but I kind of do. And I think that I eventually came back to it through Wesley Mission and then I was so incredibly fortunate to get the job at World Animal Protection looking after both Australia and New Zealand which is a, is, a, is a great thing for me because it marries up a couple of things. It marries up the fact that it's, it's animals, which I'm very passionate about, and also it marries up the fact that I'm, I'm doing this on my own. So this is I have almost full control of how I run this program and what I do. And when I first came, there was virtually nothing happening in that space. So I then created a lot of things. I said, well, we need to do this and I want to implement that. And this was mm-hmm. the first opportunity I got to into, into um to put into it the 1% campaign, which was yes. something I'd heard, we've all heard from years. Richard Radcliffe has, you know, practically preached it to us for many years. And, <laughs> yeah. and yeah. no one ever really wanted to take the opportunity up. But when I came into World Animal Protection, they just jumped at it. They thought it was a great idea. And so we've built a lot of what we do now in what we're doing with the program around that 1% messaging, which has been amazing. And we've had some great results. Oh, that's awesome. So a couple of good things there. So you mentioned that you you think it's because you feel comfortable talking about gifts. Yeah. What do you think it is that makes you feel comfortable about? Because talking? I'm not asking for money up front. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying donate today. I'm not saying any of that. I'm sort of saying, you know, um, when you do your will, if you feel like you want to leave some money to charity, and I always say to people, it's the easiest way to still be involved with a charity. So you can still be involved in in what we do. You can still get the newsletters, but you don't have to have that added pressure on your budget of giving monthly to a charity or even giving it appeal time. So yeah. for me, it's a, it's an easier way to be still connected to that charity, keeping connected to that charity mm-hmm. and not having to worry about being financially obligated to that charity in case something does happen in your life. And I think having the conversation with people, our bequesters, you can imagine, passionate animal people are yeah, very yeah. passionate. And uh, they just want the world to be a safer place for everybody, but particularly animals, and especially what's happened in the last 12 to 18 months. They want to see that 
incredibly they want to see that happen so much more now than they did before they want these they want rules and regulations in place so that we keep social distancing from animals yeah definitely so what's the one thing you wish you kind of known when you'd started in the gifts and wills fundraising space the conversations would be easy because (laughs) when I first started everyone was like to me oh it's going to be so hard talking to people about death and dying. and But I find it's not. I find people are more or less, they want things organised before they go. They don't yeah. want to have a half-assed, pardon language, funeral. And they want to have they want yeah. to have what they want done and they want people to get the things that they want them to have. And so I find people are more willing to have those conversations with their families and children now as well. Yeah. About this is this is who I am and this is who I want you to remember me by. Because I don't know about you, but I remember my favorite auntie for her apple pies. I remember my favorite uncle for his the way he laughed mm. at Three Stooges movies. Yeah. So those are the things I remember about them. And I've always said the memory I want of me is that she not only worked in that that fundraising space, but she also left a legacy to those charities that she believed would do the job while she wasn't around. I think that's that's the difference there. I think often people get caught up in the death conversation. As, yeah. as you know, research shows that don't mention the word death. It actually makes people shut down. No. If you're having conversations around legacy and generational impact, and that's that's why I love it, you're actually talking to people about their stories. Um, yeah. I've had some of the most amazing, learned some of the most amazing stories from people and about their motivations and things I think yeah. I've ever had in Gifts and Wills compared to it's not an immediate straight away decision. It's something that's really thought about, I think. It is really thought about. I think for us, when I have those conversations, people absolutely have fortified their wills to make sure that um, nobody can take away what they want to do in their wills and they say the reasons they do it. I mean, for for animal people, it's because they've, they've, they've seen the bad side and the good side, but they've also mm-hmm. seen the development of how it's changed in the in the time that they've been alive on the planet too. They've seen how we used to treat animals and how we're now looking at treating animals and I think that's really important for people to see that you actually are continuing that work making a difference and then they can they know you're going to keep doing that into the future yeah definitely. so you mentioned obviously you're at World Animal Protection it's a huge passion mm-hmm. for you um and you've be, had the the joy of almost launching the program and setting up and I know one of the things that you've done really well is really to integrate digital which is yeah kind of something that if I'd looked at 10 years ago digital was not used in the Gibson World space but obviously especially in the past 12 to 18 months, what's happened, the digital transformation of the world has just been dramatic. Yeah. dramatic and it was already well, hello, QR code. Yeah, yeah I know. Which, <laughs> it's funny enough, I was talking to someone about this the other day and said, I remember doing a QR code on an event um, at Camp Quality many, many years ago. And everyone went, why are you using them? They're so old-fashioned. And now it's like the thing to do, which, which is amazing. I know. So can, so can you give me a bit of intro, uh, insight into what you've done in digital? Because I think people are often really... Um, interested in how you can use that for a gifts and wills fundraising program so for me it was the one percent so when I mentioned the one percent Joe my manager said to me well you need to we need to prove it we need to be able to prove that the one percent messaging actually works we need to know that people understand what that is and that the people will actually look at that as 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 something to do for their will so she said the cheapest and easiest way to do it was digital marketing now I am extremely fortunate to have an extremely intelligent, smart digital marketer as one of our consultants, part of our team, um, Paula O'Sullivan from Possum Digital. And she had been working with uh, another member of our team, the acquisition team, getting, and that's how they do the acquisition through through a lot of the work through Facebook. 
And so we sat down and we worked out a campaign together and we got Bug to help us with the messaging. Bug is our design firm who come up with our, our sometimes our messaging and our and our pictures. And we have a bear that we call Bundy the Bequest Bear and we kind of use that bear <laughs> in a lot of our advertising going forward. But we sat down and we talked about this and Paula did say to me she will she would segment, 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 I'm going to say that word badly, segment <laughs> yeah. it. She would segment it for me to find the audience that I needed on Facebook because mm. a lot of a lot of the times too people were saying well, you shouldn't use Facebook for anything to do with fundraising because it's a younger set. But I can tell you now, it's not a younger set that are on Facebook. Mm. The younger set have moved on to TikTok and WhatsApp and all those apps. And the older people that want to keep in touch with their families are the ones yeah. that are currently on Facebook. So we knew we had the market there. And basically it's a cold DM because you're actually putting messaging out there and then you're asking them to fill out a form to send to you so that we would send you further information when we first did it though we made a massive mistake by putting the one percent messaging first which people didn't really understand so we had like after you've left 90 percent 99 percent your family leave one percent to you know world animal protection and we weren't getting many clicks and we kind of that was becoming very expensive so Paula came up to me and said we have to change this if you want this to succeed and you want to be able to keep mm. doing the one percent messaging and everything you do we're going to have to change this so what we then decided to do was do a story so we did Mia the Bear and Mia the Bear absolutely blitzed it and we ended up going from four leads at a hundred and something dollars to 105 leads at $19, which you, which is a great ROI on a return for investment with a bequest, as you know. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, so it, it, was a, it was a learning experience, but we learned really quickly that we needed, and you could see once we made the change, it was so different. The responses were different. People were coming through. People were oh. saying, I'd like to leave, like when we'd send them something, oh, can I leave more than 1%? Well, of course you can. Like we're just... Mm. You know, and I didn't know that I could, you know, I didn't know I had enough, I had enough that I could leave you any money and this makes it so easy. So we were getting feedback along with people saying, can I please have information about how I do my will? Mm. Awesome. So obviously um, one of the things you've also done, which I found really interesting, is to really talk, look about launching an in-memory program. I know yeah. it's something that often in Australia we we don't seem to have in-memory programs. I, I know from doing some work with the UK that in the UK in-memory fundraising is huge and, and it's often big. And sometimes over here, for example, we just seem to fit it as funeral tributes and that's it and kind of uh, we don't look at it. So can you tell us a bit about the memory program that you've you've launched and you've been working on? So it took me a little while, but the reason I started to launch it was when I came into the organisation, You obviously you want to know everything about how everybody comes to you. So I got the um, website developer to run a report for me based on what people search for when they come in to, to look at wills and bequests. And there was all the normal wills and bequests things. Then I saw a lot of MEM stuff. And I was like, oh, they had funeral envelopes, memory um, you know, envelopes, all that sort of thing. But we had nothing at that stage. And when I asked what we had, it was just a Word document that was sent out to people. Mm. And so I thought this is an area where I believe that because we have such passionate people that belonged that are part of us they this would be something that they would absolutely love to have as as something that they could use mm. in their in their you know for their friends or family or for themselves so we got to developing something and it took a very long road because <laughs> um because once and I wanted to combine myself with the supporter services team so I got Emma Larkin to join me on this because they were the ones that would be doing all the processing of it so mm. I wanted her to be a part of it to make sure we were capturing every bit of information we needed to capture when we did this we also looked at privacy issues to make sure we were doing the right thing but we also um 
we also had, I had a cup conversation with a bequester, which is another thing that came up where she said, you know, when she had a funeral at her at her home, the house was full of flowers and she looked around and thought how much money was in that room and mm-hmm. how much money she said I could have then done as a donation to a charity, to any charity. Um, and she said it was a bit hard. She couldn't find many charities that actually had it on their websites that she mm. was associated with. And when she found out we were doing it, she was very excited that we were actually going to do that. So it took a long journey. We decided on um, a tiger as our main um, focal, like, look for the mm. MEMS envelope. We will have an in-memory page set up on our website very shortly. And it kind of all it rolled, like it went bigger as it went, snowballed as it went down the mountain because we sort of went with just, we'll just do this little bit with the envelope, offering it to people, putting a story in our protected newsletter, letting people know it was there. Um, but it then became, oh, let's do an in-memory page. Let's have a memorial page up there. Let's set it up something similar to what I think I've seen on um, probably the Heart Foundation is the one that, that I kind of hold up as my goal one when I look at things. And then we then they looked at that further developing into like a celebrationary page, which was even bigger. So it's gone mm. from something very small to something very big. But I think it's important to give your donors choices on how they give to you and how they want yeah. to give to you. And we also had to have some rules and regulations about how we would process these donations, mm. what that person would be treated as, and all those sorts of things. So we've had to do a, a very big processing thing, journey on it, bigger than I thought it would be. Yeah. So. <laughs> it always ends up like the way, unfortunately. So that's really exciting. So have you launched now? You've launched now? Uh, we will launch, we're doing a, um, a team presentation next week mm-hmm. so that the whole team is aware of it and so that they can also promote it within their own circles. And we will go do the, I think it will be the Winter Protector at this stage. Yeah. We'll put the story into the Winter Protector and give that offering mm. to people. Yeah. Awesome. It'll be exciting to see how it goes. I know that's something I think that is a bit of an untapped market here in Australia. So I'm excited to see people getting kind of on side with it and, and moving forward with it. So I look forward to hearing how it actually goes. Um, oh, <laughs> and now after a long process. So just one final question before you go, because I, I like to hear what it's obviously been a crazy 12 to 18 months um, and we'll continue I think as, as we sit here at the moment and um, Melbourne's just in the middle of another uh, outbreak and things like yeah. that and, and lockdowns happening again so what do you think from a Gibson Wills perspective what do you think is the main learning you've taken from the past year um, for your program? I think the main I don't know if it's a learning but I think for me there's been three things that have really helped me in the last 12 months um, being been at home and doing all this mm. as well is the ability to have conversations with people uh, not in the office mm. and not in, not in an echoey room. So that I always tell people, and I think it makes them feel more comfortable when I say I'm having this conversation. I'm at home. If you hear any snoring in the background, it's just my twelve year old dog <laughs> snoring in the background. Um, and I feel more comfortable having those conversations mm. with people at home than I did in the office because often I'd been in the office and the phone call would come through and I'd be in the middle of the office discussing someone's will. And, and I don't think that that's a comfortable place for me and mm. I don't think it was comfortable. Well, they, don't, they didn't know that, but for me it was very not comfortable. So I felt yeah. the learning for me was also too that doing, doing it from home is, is just as easy as doing it from work now that we have all the technology. Yeah. But the biggest thing I think I've learned in the last 12 months is since I came to this charity is having a team that 100% supports you, being in the charity that you're absolutely passionate about because they do say if you love something you do, you never work a day in your life. So I think that's that's a big learning that's happened to me, whether I'd have been at home or in the office, that still would have happened, I believe. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. You can tell the passion from the from the way you talk about it, Joe. It's, it's, it's great to see. And I think, I, I think anyone who fundraises, if you're not passionate about 
the cause you are fundraising for, it it, it kind of shows, and yeah, and I yeah. Think there's an authenticity around. So, thank you so much. We've 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 talked a lot about there in a small amount of time, and I'm sure we could have talked for a lot longer. But these are oh, yeah, our snapshots. We <laughs> days. <laughs> we could have talked for days. I know, but we we haven't there. So I want to thank you so much, Joe from World Animal Protection. This is the Included Charity Podcast. My name's Helen Merrick, um, and thank you for listening. <laughs>